Hello everyone and welcome back to series two, episode three of the Thrive Physiotherapy podcast with me, Matt McTermott. And me, Liam Beale. We'll do a quick intro for today's guest. The main things to know are that he is a physiotherapist and also in nutrition. Not a common combination for people in our field, but a really interesting one to listen to the story. So without further ado, we'll introduce Ben Steele-Turner. Ben is a physiotherapist and also a nutritionist. And that is one of the main reasons we wanted to get him on the podcast, really. He produces some excellent educational pieces and is highlighting the importance of nutrition in our profession. Uh, we'll let you talk a bit more about that, Ben, and highlight your educational avenues and um, how important nutrition is to us guys who aren't overly aware of it. But first, welcome to the podcast, Ben. Hi, guys. Yeah, pleasure to be on today. Really. Thank you. As we say, we'll let you um, we'll let you talk a little bit more about about yourself and your background and and where you're where you're going on to and any future projects um, before we get into the meat of it. But yeah, uh, let the guys know what you're all about. Sure. Yeah. So um, on uh, on Instagram, I'm Physiotrician, which kind of sums it up because it's just a, uh, a a very unclever merger of physio and nutrition. <laughs> but yeah, basically, I um, originally was a personal trainer and then um, went and studied physiotherapy and then like sort of probably halfway through second year um, through my main sport, which was bodybuilding at the time, got really into um, diet nutrition and um, for me, it was one where I kind of had this like eureka aha moment. Um, it was on uh, MSK outpatients placement in second year. And I remember distinctly like you'd see uh, see patients and then like particularly um, younger patients. And then their mum would be like, oh, you know, if, you, if you're good, we'll, we'll stop at McDonald's or Burger King on the way home. And yeah. <laughs> inside you just want to cry. Um, like, um, and then that kind of got me looking into it and then I looked into the idea of doing a master's in nutrition um, and yeah kind of got fully behind that so did uh, physio at Bournemouth University and then went straight into the masters of uh, masters at University of Surrey which was human nutrition um, and then that allows you to join the association for nutrition which is similar to the CSP for yeah. physiotherapy um, yeah. and then nice. after after a long period um, traveling, then came back and settled in and kind of like formed a bit uh, work from there. And then currently working um, at a couple of different clinics for uh, Cranfold Physical Therapy, which is local to, to Surrey where I am. Yeah. Perfect. No, nice. And yeah, like you say, it's, it's, um, it's probably a, a different, different pathway, like a bit of a eureka moment. It's not something you see out there. And that's probably one of the main things you want to talk about. We'll start off with our usual questions, though. I'll get Matt in to, yeah. to come in and fire a few of those, yeah, just for um, just for our just for a bit of continuity, and then we'll really dig into the meat of it. But it'll be good just to get a little little bit more background from you, and then we'll um we'll hit on to the nutrition stuff if that's all right. Sure, let's go for it. Awesome. Perfect. So yeah, as um as Liam said, really interesting to hear uh, about your pathway. Um, that eureka moment you describe, I think, is something pretty a lot of practitioners do experience but pretty very few actually act on so the fact that you sort of acted on that uh, and then gone on to do the the masters and then are in the position you're in now is something that perhaps a lot of people don't normally do but hopefully uh, this chat will give them some inspiration to sort of pursue those uh, 
sort of inklings, those gut feelings, uh, particularly if it's early on in, in your career. Um, as you've said, hopefully we'll uh, get some good nuggets of knowledge from the key questions as well, which uh, our viewers and listeners should be uh, should be familiar with. First of those is uh, looking for you to share one tip or one piece of advice for getting a uh, role in sport. Um, I'd probably say there's a lot of people much better than I am for specifically with sport, but um, particularly for having a lot of um, students listening, I think have a clear goal um so for like for you guys with your sport workout you know where where is it you wanted to be and I think I knew quite early on that I wanted to do something that really was like tailored um to what I wanted to do and that included being more than just doing physiotherapy so I knew right okay I need to do more than that so um I don't need to that's what that's what I desire to do so um, right what's the, the the qualification so yeah like work out what it is that you want to do is there a level you want to work at or the sport you want to work in and then just step backwards from there and like right that's the goal in order to get there I need to do that but in order to do that I need to do this um, and so for me that was personal training physiotherapy nutrition um, to then bring that as sort of like one combined trio um, and then for everyone listening, that would be a different. Um, so, yeah, in terms of getting your job, work out the, the sort of planet backwards as into your end goal that you want to get to. Perfect. Cra- cracking answer. And yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to be be thrown on the spot. And um, I think that backward chaining element is is vital and where you can get access to job specs to sort of guide that sort of backward chaining type process to see what exactly is needed at each stage um, obviously helps as well. Um, Next question is uh, thinking back to when you're a student and uh, I'll let you uh, set whether that was undergrad or or postgrad. What what piece of advice would you have uh, to give yourself as a student? Oh, fantastic question. Um, So both undergrad and um, postgrad as well probably the main piece of advice I would say is um, start for me anyway making content on physio and nutri- physiotherapy and nutrition start like if that's something you want to do then start now um, so like the saying the best day to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the second best day is today um, and I kind of had this, as soon as I decided, right, okay, I want to do physiotherapy and then nutrition. I was like, right, when I've done both, I will start, um, making content, combining the two. And I'll start kind of like telling my story or like making a message like that. And actually every single person listening to this is probably already a physio or uh, a student and already a really knowledgeable, hardworking person. And I kind of was like, oh no, I'll wait till I get my degree and then I'll wait till I get my master's and then I'll start doing it um and actually I could have just started straight away like um if my goal was to be a content producer then make I could have started making infographics and uh videos or whatnot on these topics way way before another great answer and I for, for, for me personally if I take myself as a a viewer or a listener or someone that's sort of interacting with uh, sort of educational content I find I, I probably have a lot more respect uh, for that individual for that, uh, that that person if I can sort of sit with them and experience their journey 
um, yeah. and experience their story and um, and go through that process. And that doesn't mean that you're uh, any less capable at the early stage, as exactly you say, that's certainly not the case. Um, but see, seeing that development, seeing that sort of process goes, you gain those extra qualifications, but also sort of refine that process of how you get the content out there. So the earlier you do it, that process gets refined at an, an earlier stage. Do you, do you guys think as well, you guys are obviously both physios, when you're studying any subject, but in physio, you kind of become accustomed to like, I am a student and my teachers teach me and I consume and I study and you teach, um, even though you're studying a subject that you're then going to help and, uh, you know, educate, whatever, teach patients and clients. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like breaking that barrier and realising that, your teachers are still students of whatever they do. Um, and so although you're technically like a student nine to five, you, you can still kind of do more than that. So don't like let it hardwire you to be a student in all forms of life as well, maybe. But I'm just thinking on the spot there. I think that that, men, that mentality for me was uh, sort of embedded by the placement culture and by sort of having to conform to please on placements and you, you sort of uh, you fit that stereotypical role um, right yeah it's, it's sort of re reinforced those uh, that sort of idea of uh, that sort of stu student teacher relationship that I say it, it most de definitely uh, doesn't have to be consistent across the board and there's no reason why that would be a barrier in uh, sort of challenging that extracurricularly um, at, at the early stage in your career whether that's a student or whether that's sort of newly qualified. Mm. Yeah we had a we had like an interest in whatever you want to call it on on Twitter the other day but essentially a student was asking to be able to like give advice on a certain topic and I won't go into too much details about it because I think it probably got a little bit messy behind the scenes but yeah, the student was was basically putting it out there to the forum, like, what would you guys do? And we sort of chimed in with, with our little piece of advice and a few others did. And I think one of their lecturers actually ended up coming back to them and saying, um, oh, are you a qualified physio to them? And it was like, yeah. well, well, no, they're not. But they're more than entitled to be able to talk talk amongst the environment, yeah. qualified and students and share that sort of pathway and they are still in a position to advise you just got to know your sort of scope I think that's like the main yeah thing. yeah you know your scope but yeah 100% it shouldn't be that guard up I'm a student I shouldn't be having these conversations I shouldn't be considering I shouldn't even be giving advice to anyone and it's like yeah so obviously no, like, for us yeah and I'm not advocating that students say that their physios no, that would be highly highly not allowed but um yeah but like you know I guess it kind of for me, I had for ages, I created the second Instagram page other than my personal one that was like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to start like doing something to do with physio and nutrition and personal training. But then I like in my head, I had it like decided I was going to wait till I had my my qualification. And I guess I could have started earlier. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But then you still got to know your scope of practice, even if yeah. you're a qualified physio and you've but, been yeah. working for 10, 20 years, scope of practice would um apply equally in, in that situation but yeah but just like like you say that one day you decide yeah i'm qualified let, let's do this the, the day before it you're a student and obviously as you drift through those student years yeah. you get closer and closer but one day yeah. in outpatients you're going to might be a student physio on your last day of placement and you have to introduce yourself as a student 
the next day you could be starting working in that department and just say I'm a physio and like yeah yeah we sort of raise that question of well, where's the difference and there's obviously barriers and lines all along the way but you're 100% right yeah not to be confined yeah. by that early just as long as you're working within you uh-uh. yeah. it's, it's a good it's a great point you have the the benefits of being our second guest to be the victim of this next question uh, it'll be in a yeah. slightly different context um so yeah to give you a bit of background uh you yourself have uh, just undergone an acl reconstruction uh you're sitting in front of the consultant and the consultant has said uh right i'm going to refer you to your outpatient physiotherapy program yep the question is are you gonna sort of go go to that outpatient physio and uh, follow that process through or do you feel confident uh, to take yourself through that process and to, in essence, rehabilitate yourself post-ACL reconstruction? I would absolutely go to the outpatient physio and listen wholeheartedly. Um, so I had to really listen during that question. I was, I was picturing myself sat there, but no, I, um, I think that would be very, very close-minded to say I know best and very anti-physio mindset. No, absolutely. And that physio... It would be um, equally knowledgeable if not far more and every single person would you know they're, they're going to add something extra and if there was so no absolutely I would go to the outpatient physio and follow what they do um, 100% you can always add a little bit extra if you feel you want to do more um, that's yourself to risk assess but no I would go there Yes, it's a it's such a mean question, and um, yeah, as as soon as I ask it, I I panic and worry to think about the approach I take if if I was on the receiving end, um, if I was answering that question, um, it's yeah, it's a, a a great answer, but it's it's certainly not a, a sort of straight straightforward one. It is is a tough one to to sort of go through. But thanks uh, thanks for being honest and and, and sharing that. Um, our, our final one has been uh, mis- misinterpreted potentially on, on a couple of occasions, but equally got some fantastic answers for this. Um, it's surrounding research and sort of highlighting research. And uh, we're not saying this is the only piece of research ever. We're not saying uh, don't look at anything else. We're just sort of giving our guests the opportunity to share something that's resonated with them something that's changed their practice it can either be something contemporary or it can be something that's a little bit more dated but anything you just like sort of highlight to our listeners uh, they'll be able to sort yeah, of link yeah. in the end of the podcast as well um as it's, it's over to you really uh, anything you'd like to highlight uh, in terms of research yeah so um uh, one one that i that I really liked and I'm probably sure most people listening might have come across it but it was Lin, Lin et al um, it was last year or the year before and it was like 11 best MSK recommendations it was quite well known a lot of people sort of made infographics or summaries of it it was just like 11 recommendations that kind of was a consensus view uh, for good MSK physio um, and it, yeah, it was really interesting and it comes to a nice real good summary but it was the timing as well that it I read it literally as I was it was I think it was literally in the airport on the way back from Philippines I'd been away for like six months and then I was reading and I was like gonna hopefully be going and meeting 
where I now work and I was going to go and meet them like the next morning um and so I remember being like wow this is so exciting like this is literally what I'm reading and I'm going into this um so the timing of it as well um and then one of the first um sort of topics that kind of really caught my interest in the nutrition or the combination was the very emerging idea of um collagen and vitamin c kind of with a specific exercise plan to improve connective tissue healing um and so it was a it's a really interesting study done by uh uh keith barr um and colleagues and it uses a vitamin c and gelatin supplement alongside six minutes of skipping three times a day so like taking the supplement uh, an hour or an hour and a half before the skipping and I, I read that and it was while I was still studying physio and I was like, wow, this is like amazing. This is like proper combining my two um, kind of passions. Um, so those two would be like two that have kind of stuck out for me, I guess, if I have to think about it. Yeah, it, again, great answer. Obviously thrown on the spot. Um, I, I must admit, I'm not familiar with the, the latter of those, but it sounds yeah. like <laughs> it encapsulates this discussion in a whole. So certainly yeah. off the back of this, at the very least, I'm going to be having, having a look at that and we'll, we'll definitely put it in there, sort of appendices to this discussion. Sure. Um, and I think you know, the, the point you mentioned there about sort of the timing is also kind of really important with this and, and how we sort of digest research um, yeah. sort of how how research becomes available to us whether it's off the back of a heated twitter discussion sort of how mm. how that resonate with us or whether it's something we've encountered through a literature search for a dissertation or equivalent whether it's something we're forced to read through a journal club and that's that sort of context whether it's a, an interesting or not an interesting field or 100 percent affects sort of how we take on board that information and if uh, if it sort of resonates with us to use and use in practice um, so hopefully again with that in mind with this discussion in mind with hopefully some avid listeners uh, keen to explore this route uh, that'll be sort of a good avenue to go down and, and a good avenue to explore um, yeah. but thanks thanks for sharing those points of us uh, and I'll pass across to, to Liam to tackle uh, a few more uh, a few more questions yeah thank you we'll get into uh, hopefully some more familiar territory for you but I thought that was that was brilliant I really liked um I think you said in the first question you might have had we might have had some guests that have spoke a lot more about their their sort of sporting experience but I think having the background that you mentioned coming from the bodybuilding and then going into those areas that you found off of the back of that that really interested you so like they all mix in the the personal training the physio and the nutrition sort of encapsulate those three things is really interesting and the world of sport is bigger than football and a lot of time especially for me and this podcast we talk a lot about football but there's so much out there there's so many niches there's so many great careers and that is kind of what we're where we're trying to get out with this podcast so to hear from that different angle and this completely different angle it's it's going to be really valuable and probably a lot more value than people who keep talking on coming out football which we've, we've had a bit of which I can definitely blame myself on and we mixed up a little bit this series for sure but like I say it's, it was really interesting so thank you for that and and again as I say we'll um we'll dive into more specifics to those sort of areas and that kind of thing but hopefully it's it's nice and wide varying for for anyone else listening so we'll start off really vague really vague question but can you give us some key points of how nutrition sort of fits into that into that sporting world for anyone that's sort of not really not really seeing it? They might be obvious, like obviously, you know, eating performance, okay, fine. But where does it really fit? Have you got any sort of key points for us, us yeah, sort yeah. of lay people? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, it's 
it, I guess it kind of boils down to, it's like a, a real, like almost common sense link. Like we're all very, very aware of like how important a healthy diet is, but then you, it, it, a lot of, it almost takes that like double take moment for you to then realize that, okay, well actually this will then be important for whatever injury um, or injury prevention. Um, and like, you know, maybe in first year of physio, you study, study like anatomy and the, you know, the real simple, like recovery phases and response to injuries or whatever. And then it kind of captured my like imagination, like, or <laughs> not imagination, but captures your, the, what you're eating is then going to get absorbed. It's going to go into your bloodstream and that's then going to go to the area <laughs> that is injured um so it's like i kind of see it as really really crucial um so yeah so before you're even injured um you know your diet's got to be good because you've got to be fueling the training or the sport that you're doing um if you're under fueled then that's not gonna that's definitely gonna raise your your chance of injury um improve like vascular health cardio metabolic health bone density muscle function like um nutrition is just a huge factor for all of that um so yeah and then oh, in, and then at high level sport if we're going to try to periodize for an event um so obviously huge in bodybuilding where your nutrition is manipulated to um pretty unhealthy yeah. unhealthy amounts um but then um physios might think of it on like a tissue or a joint level and then nutrition you know maybe down to like a cellular level like are all your cells in that tissue really happy um with what they've got or are they unhappy like that like i say really good little little summary and then you've mentioned a little bit about their sort of being pre-injury and maybe post-injury so sort, sort mm. of talking about more nutrition maybe being different for preventing an injury or how then you would then apply nutrition after an injury yeah, actually yeah. happens are there are there sort of major differences in those areas well I, yeah I guess you don't I, I you wouldn't like prescribe a injury prevention like injury prevention diet like okay you must have a yeah. but it's just like building up in the same way that we'll we'll train and do S&C um, to build our you know the strength of our muscles and our connective tissue and our bones and then the the what you're eating is and drinking or what you're not eating and drinking is playing such a huge role in supporting that um and then a lot of nutrition is observational um because it's very very hard to get people to follow a diet and particularly in athletes like would any of the pro athletes that you guys work with volunteer for a trial where they could be put in the control group knowing full well that there is something they could do that would make them better probably not many high level athletes would want would want to do that because you've only got like a however many year career length so you you're not going to be you're not going to accept being in the placebo group right um um so that's quite difficult and then i guess that that not neatly leads on to post injury yeah. i think that's it's a really um I, I, a little bit of a hot topic but definitely getting people it's not like um you know post-injury and physio it's like right okay we've got to get you set on like a, a regimented plan and and maybe in high level athletes like real elite performers they would be to the point where their nutritionist or 
dietitian would set out that plan just to ease it for them but it's really about like same in physio like at first do no harm make sure everything's on the right path and then we can make little changes and implement things to make things better nice perfect and i think we we get a lot of a lot of guys who might be thinking okay i'm not training as much i'm not doing as as much as i normally do i'm obviously not burning as much calories as normal Mm. I need to massively cut back. Is that something that you see as a common theme? Obviously there's dangers behind that, especially in terms of injury. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is so, that something you see? So the problem with um, nutrition compared to physio is generally fit people in physiotherapy don't have a huge emotional attachment to doing calf stretches. Like if they have to do them, they'll probably do them. Whereas people have a huge emotional attachment to what they eat. Yeah. Um, and so suddenly um, yeah, it, so, so someone gets told they're not allowed to put, they're not able to, or that, you know, they're not going to be back at performance level for football for a month. That often leads to, ah, uh, well, you know, so obviously, you know, everyone's different. Some people will stick to the diet, but some people think oh, I'll just eat loads and put on a bit of fat or between seasons. And so what, and it just throw that will just then throw everything off kilter. So in terms of more specifically, that's probably the main thing after energy after an injury would be energy balance so just how many how much how many calories how much you're eating compared to how many you're burning and everyone thinks oh i'm doing less so therefore i need to eat less Mm -hmm. um and that's not universally the case that's definitely a bit of a, a myth um and so if you've had like a major trauma so let's say you've had a broken leg like that could increase your basal metabolic rate by up to a maybe 50 percent um because your body's then got to heal it right surgery maybe 20 ish percent i think would be um and if you you know up to points where if you've had like severe burns um i saw recently like a real severe burns of like you know a large percentage of your body would increase your basal metabolic rate by 100 percent so it just doubles just while you're sitting there because your body needs to fuel it um and then your um, energy consumption, walking around, mobilizing on crutches is a good chunk better than it is just walking. Um, uh, and also, even if someone, I know it's a bit of an old fashioned thing with, on complete bed rest, but if someone is in complete bed rest for a few days, they could still exercise their upper body if they had injured their legs. Um, my The research project I was involved with for my master's dissertation was designing an exercise program for people um, whilst they were having dialysis for kidney failure Um, so if you're familiar with kidney failure um, obviously it's like the filter for the blood Um, and so three times a week they have to go in and sit on a bed with one arm attached to a dialysis machine um, and they sit there for three to four hours while the machine cleans their blood and then they can go off for a few days and then come back and have it done Um, and so what we were doing um, was like coming up with exercises with dumbbells and resistance bands that they could do with their other arm and with their legs whilst they were in in having dialysis Um, so if someone's got like a sporting injury um, even if it's one leg you know you could could be exercising the other leg even if it's just static quads or something it's some calf raises as simple simple as that Um, that's going to have some benefits for sure kind of a nice little crossover there which leads us to our our next question which is 
about the differences or the similarities you find that exist between sort of the two roles when you're seeing clients, um, obviously between physio versus nutrition. Can you talk to us a bit about those? Do you see yeah. more similarities, more differences? Um, y- yes, um, more similarities. There, there are similarities and differences. Probably the, the emotional thing is the main difference um, in that you're you're trying to change something which is really deeply embedded in that person. Like we've all got like that favorite dish that you, your like mum or dad used to make as a kid. And then like, suddenly you've got someone telling them, telling you, well, oh, maybe you shouldn't eat that. Um, uh, so that's always difficult. I think also with physio, as you guys know, like um, you know, there's the injury and whatever you see the person, you discuss it, assess it do some treatment, assess it again, look at some movements, add some load, do some treatment, reassess it, come up with a plan. Whereas nutrition can be very much like, okay, let's, let's get some information, which is very often a, a diet diary, maybe uh, blood biomarkers as well would be used. And then it's like, okay, um, let's look at the diary. Okay. We could probably make these little tweaks, like you little tweaks are okay just maybe ease off a little bit on that and then add a bit more of that maybe a little bit extra time between this and this and then let's see how that goes for the next week or two um you don't want to make any huge like wholesale changes generally um and then particularly then with a with a, a sporting population um obviously changes leading up to an event but maybe it would be um very much about like just really honing in and tailoring everything to be the best it possibly can um, rather than physiotherapy would be okay I've got an injury and now you know we're not rebuilding but we're kind of going through this path back whereas nutrition's kind of like a, a rolling thing where we're just constantly looking at it and adapting like okay now you're you've picked up an injury so maybe we'll just change this a bit and then oh, okay you've got the the semi-finals in two weeks so we'll just maybe change this and then someone else are you've got a 10k coming up so maybe we could start doing these little things so that would be probably a bit different i think it's a re- really interesting one like the the main point you've picked up there i think interesting is is like the, almost a discipline behind nutrition like you say a bit more of that emotional one physio mm. you, you get them you get them doing their little bits of exercises it's not kind of that whole day thing whereas sometimes when they might be leaving your care you then got them going away and you think about whether you get home from work or something like that and you're going in like I'm straight to the cupboard, whatever, whatever. You've, you've still got these patients or athletes that you're trying to get those messages across and it goes on and on. And it's su- an injury can be such an emotional hit. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely the challenge of that and something to completely consider because I think, like yeah, I say, yeah. you see everyone react differently like you do with physio as well. So some, some really important similarities there that cross over that we can probably be more conscious of as, as physios without sort of your background. But no, good to, good to hear dive in a little bit more specifically um I'm a, like probably still quite a vague question but any any real good case studies you've either ever come across or find easy to present when sort of explaining yeah. how they can cross over um any of those you could share with our listeners appreciate it. it's quite an open question yeah. no 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 yeah so um yeah the I guess let's talk about more like kind of classic um one thing I have found is definitely more where I work where it's not necessarily elite athletes but maybe like weekend warriors people going for a half marathon yeah um when they're injured it seems like it's quite a good time to then start talking about 
healthy eating as a as a thing because you know it might be um a 18 year old who plays like pretty good for their local town whatever um football and then suddenly they get an injury and they know they're going to be out for a month or two and then they're desperate to do everything they possibly can and so then that and then then you're like well i've I've seen you outside kfc before (laughs) i know like maybe now is a good time to start like um building on that and giving them some advice so i guess it's it's more that when athletes are injured they are desperate to get back to playing in as in general probably is quite uh, quite true so it becomes a good time to just get the fundamentals in um and then another thing that's generally quite common is um it's like people people like to get all the boxes ticked so if i'm seeing someone and i'm working as a physio then it's like okay well maybe let's say so what would be quite common in like runners or those doing a lot of endurance might be a stress fracture so okay well whether it's been diagnosed or not for a scan it kind of seems like definitely stress fractures possibility like right well let's do x y and z and optimize your diet for bone healing um now because at first i'll do no harm so i'm not going to recommend anything that's toxic um and if you do this it's gonna optimize your body's environment for for healing it um and then also getting uh people who do a lot of endurance to to eat enough um maybe a little bit more common in females and males um kind of like doing so much training and then you look at their food diet it's like almost like amazing like how you how are you um fueling yourself like not eating not eating enough so like kind of like um allowing people to eat a little bit more when they need to as well if they're doing such a high level of exercise yeah do you do you find that, that those sort of examples there so either a like the sort of bony stress when you're trying to sort of improve the improve the healing state for that or the the athletes that are probably a little bit down do you find them then instead of sort of turning to okay i can help my nutrition in these ways do you find them going towards supplements do you, do you have to get a lot of a lot of myth busting uh, around supplements yeah um yeah well god there's a lot of supplements aren't there i think i saw potatoes like ninety thousand different supplement products are for sale in the oh, us wow. it's like it's just insane yeah. um don't quote me on that but just loads um I think that kind of is a, an extra point to what I just said about people always want to do the next thing. Mm. So let's say that 18 year old kid who's got six weeks off playing football might see whatever supplement, but ha- still be eating junk food and not be getting, not be getting their fiber goal. Um, it's November. So they're not getting their vitamin. They're not getting vitamin D. They're probably not eating any oily fish or omega-3s um but they'll pay 60 quid for a, a supplement but which is just you know let's just do all the fundamentals right and so that's quite a good time um to do that um and then after so like a soft tissue injury whilst you know kind of like the fundamentals that we would know would be like um slightly higher protein keep your energy balance roughly the same make sure you're not basically make sure you're not deficient in anything no need to take a huge mega dose of supplements um you know it's a, a number of times to be like you know just don't eat a load of junk because 
it'd be very easy to go, oh, well, I'm not going to be in the starting lineup for six weeks. And probably even then I'll be on the bench. I know we're talking about football. And we just say, <laughs> uh, so they'll like, oh, well, I'll have a, I'll have a takeaway or a burger. But then what I was said right back at the start is like, think about your, your cells in those muscle. Like, are they really going to be happy with all that oily, you know, saturated processed meat that's coming in that burger and chips or whatever, like they're not going to be happy. Like they need the bricks and the mortar and the building blocks to, to reheal. And that's going to come from the fruit and veg and the good protein source and the omegas. I think that's the main, the main thing for me with injury, isn't it? You see, you see the guys or whoever you're, whoever you're looking for, and they probably do see it as, okay, a bit emotional, emotional sort of aspects of this I like I like my comforts you know I'm I've got time to sort of wear this off and and I'll, I'll get back there eventually now I'll just concentrate on yeah it is trying to get that no actually this is a, a pathway where you probably have to work harder or better at those things than you're actually doing before and yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. good to hear that it's a it probably is a good point and then we probably are really well placed to sort of address a couple of those things obviously within within our scope of knowledge and in terms of nutrition obviously yourself better a lot better qualified than most but just it's still there it's still a focus especially when we're talking performance in in athletes whatever sport we're looking at whether it is your football and you're you're not in starting line up for six weeks or whatever it is that you haven't got an event for a while because you've just missed one because of your injury yeah. um yeah no i really i important. think i think bodybuilding might be a great example of that as well because you do this huge periodization down to the competition which is mm. on that day and then basically unless you've got another competition lined up everyone just goes in general everyone just goes crazy and just eats like all the foods that they wanted for like two two three days yeah um so yeah because you kind of haven't got that goal anymore so um and i try to re like remind think you know although someone's going for a sport and an, or an athlete, you know, you're a human being first. And so, you know, you need to be fueling your, your body, you know, right. Um, and then the sport is, is second. So don't let your, don't, don't maybe let your injury then, you know, don't let that make you have a load of bad food or some alcohol. Maybe. I think that that brings us, brings us nicely to the end. It won't, won't keep you too much longer. I think we've covered some really interesting topics there and, obviously very hard to get into some real real detail in in a short and sweet podcast but where can everyone else go to sort of pick up on those other educational pieces so you mentioned you're obviously instagram at the start but there's there's some stuff with trust me ed isn't there and a few other bits is that right yeah yeah so um fizzy nutrition's my instagram which is yeah p-h-y-s-i-u-t-r-i-t-i-o-n um, but yeah, recently um, recorded, a, very lucky to record a lecture for Trust Me Ed. Um, the, the premise of that lecture was basically to give a presentation kind of detailing the sort of things we talked about. So it's about an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15. Um, and it's just going through like a real super basic understanding of nutrition and musculoskeletal health. Um, so yeah, just stuff that I find really interesting and that kind of you know, you couldn't watch that lecture and then go off and be analysing people's diets. But if yeah. you're a physio or an osteopath or a chiro or a student um, and that was something you're inter interested to, uh, like, just understand a bit more, then it's kind of like your first stepping stone to, like, get a bit more. Um, so, yeah, that would be 
definitely I hate to just plug my own thing but it was no, actually designed with it was designed with that impact, yeah that's that and that's mind. what that's kind of where we're at with with this isn't it i think we're we're aiming to get it out there to to students and to those that aren't necessarily yeah. as familiar and it builds a picture we've tried to get we've had obviously sports science on we're trying to get a bit of the whole mdt that you would see in in that sport environment or just generally working as a physio and i think it's just so important to have an appreciation like you say you don't mm. need to be qualified and you don't need to be sort of really looking at those details but having an appreciation yeah. of it and then being able to tap into the right people is is really key in in the role it's not just in that physio environment and even if you are a physio in like just not working with much of an MDT, but you're seeing some of these guys having an appreciation of what I can give a little bit of advice on and then where to send for further information when it's yeah, a little yeah. bit out of my scope. I think, yeah, it's so important. So yeah, definitely check those out. If that's a, if that's something you're a bit more interested in. Um, we'll you, we, you uh, hit the nail on the head there. All right, Matt, is there, um, is there anything extra from, from you as we come towards, come towards the end of the pod? Yeah, I was also dying to jump back in um, and, and, and say his point and a risk of a tangent. I think just to highlight that case study aspect, uh, that, that stress fracture, for example, that educational key and making every contact count and seeing that as that opportunity to educate around diets. And mm. you can imagine the sort of gravitas for a patient if you're selling it to them as the idea of, you know, we can tweak this to optimize your bone healing. Immediately you get that buy and immediately you've sort of seized that opportunity. And just to highlight again, a risk of rambling on here, it, it goes much broader than that. Um, you know, too, too often are we sort of narrow-minded in that sort of MSK orthopedic plane. You could chat to a patient, uh, I smoke 20 cigarettes a day. Oh, brilliant fantastic okay tell me about your ankle and then you're straight on the ankle when actually it's making 26 that's, that's another opportunity that's another avenue to go down and it's it's about seizing those opportunities and thinking about how that fits in the bigger picture so i think that that sort of case study was a, fan, a fantastic way to sort of uh, finish off this uh, discussion and highlights an absolutely huge huge point to sort of utilize those opportunities and see the broader picture uh, as you said as well to sort of identify that and understand within your scope when to use other people's skills and refer on yeah absolutely yeah, i know us guys could talk about this all day um but yeah yeah you're definitely right matt that that's uh that's a really important time and what you said liam about just appreciating the the broad scope um is yeah so 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 important and one of my sort of career aims would be maybe to get a little bit of nutrition in some form into the physiotherapy undergrad program because like it's just well it's nothing as far as I'm aware it wasn't when I studied I don't know about yeah. you guys but no definitely but not. nothing nothing at all and so even just a little bit and like recently I did a CPD that was actually you said make every contact count I did the make every contact count training and it kind of just gave that little you know you you don't leave it a, a, like a clinical psychologist but it just gives you that little bit oh, okay i just giving you that drop in the ocean understanding and it i personally found it hugely helpful like listening to um listening to that and engaging with that training because then it gave me a real um yeah like a, just a little understanding of that and appreciation of when that's going to be a good route to go down or to send my patients or clients to yeah, it just it just builds that whole holistic approach, doesn't it? And like you say, we could mm. could go on that all day, but no, I really, really appreciate you taking your time and and sort of 
helping to share that that message that you've just echoed there it's been been really useful picked up a few bits definitely and hopefully listeners do as well so yeah just to say a, a, a massive thank you for coming on and we'll um we'll point everyone in your direction so hopefully get a few messages and uh um definitely check out the instagram i found it really useful we've, we've really enjoyed it so yeah thank you very much for joining us awesome thanks liam thanks matt really 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 enjoyed uh enjoyed that okay so matt yeah another great episode really interesting nice different angle to it from some of our previous bits we're really ticking off most of the mdt there yeah really sort of get the nutrition side of things and like say not the most common uh, mix of disciplines and something that, that we didn't have experience on uh from uni um, really key points uh, that uh, was mentioned regards to sort of using that opportunity of an injury uh, to review someone's nutrition and make changes to it and how you educate the patient or athletes around it, i.e. X diet will be sort of conducive to optimum bone healing or tendon healing or whatever it may be. So some key nuggets to take away from, from today. Yeah, definitely. And if anyone's got any follow-up questions for Ben, um, obviously he is the the expert on this one and we'll pass those on to him. But he is also, as he said, at Physiotrician on Instagram. We are at Thrive PES on Instagram and Twitter. And you can catch us on our website, www.thrivepes.co.uk. We've also got a couple of guest blogs um, coming up as well in the next few weeks, as well as a few that are already up there. Um, if anyone would like to write a blog for us, uh, you are more than welcome. Um, we're completely open. We've we've got a wide mix of stuff up there from injuries to research to sort of myth busting. Um, it's a real good mix. So, yeah, if anyone would like to write a blog, please do. Please do get in touch on any of our socials or through the website. Feel free to pop us an email um, and we'll uh, we'll have a look at what we can get out there on top of the great stuff we've got already. It's um, been really useful for our, our listeners and readers so far. Just to say another quick thanks to Ben Steele-Turner and next week or in two weeks time rather we have Lewis Kinsella who is a football player discussing his injury career so another another player on the podcast to look forward to really useful episode and we'll catch up with you guys then thanks for listening.